but I just had to be in some type of industry where there was no uh, no cap, no sky. I had to create my own destiny. Um, that's what I was used to doing. So I got into Coldwell Banker um, and I started working there. And I was also at the same time when I was doing real estate, I was waiting tables and bartending because I needed a check. Um, so I was doing real estate in the morning and afternoon. And then at night, I would go bartend and wait tables um, for, uh, for money. And so I did this uh, seven days a week. Um, you know, first getting in the business, I was, uh, you know, taking floor time. I was doing four open houses a, a week. Uh, I know it sounds crazy, but I was doing two on Saturday and two on Sunday, um, you know, to pick up buyers. That's what I was taught back then. Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. Welcome to Success Calls. This month's top agent is Mark Deweda with eXp Realty in Novi, Michigan. Last year, he closed 500 transactions with a total sales volume of 100 million. His average sales price was 200,000, of which 50% were buyers and 50% were sellers. He has a 63 member team, and that team is called Mark Z Real Estate Experts. Welcome to the call, Mark. Thank you, thank you, Mike, thank you for having me. Hey, Mark, this is so good to have you here. I'm real excited to talk to you. Now, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Yeah, great question, Mike. Uh, you know, I got into real estate. Uh, honestly, I didn't know what else I was going to do with my life. Um, I, I did all the right things leading up to real estate, but I just couldn't get things to click. Uh, you know, I went through uh, high school, got into college. Uh, my parents told me I had two choices in life. You can become a doctor or a lawyer. Pick one. Those are my two options. Actually got accepted into med school. Um, decided that that just wasn't for me. I hated science. I got accepted into law school, um, was going to go, and a month before uh, admissions started, I backed out and told my parents I just couldn't do it. I didn't have the drive to, to study and, and go through that three, four years that it was going to take. Um, I was born and raised, I feel like, to be an entrepreneur. Um, when I was in elementary school, I was, uh, I was selling fireballs to the kids. Uh, my dad owned a restaurant. So when I would work there on the weekends, um, you know, I grew up in the restaurant business and my dad always told me that if you get into this business, I will kill you. Uh, <laughs> that's where I got my work ethic from. Honestly, my dad was uh, like those Dunkin' Donut commercials. Uh, he'd wake up at four in the morning every day and he wouldn't come home until 10 o'clock at night. He was the chef and he felt like nobody else could, could do it the way he did. He didn't know how to leverage it. Um, so I never seen my dad growing up. But in my mind, that's what you had to do to be successful. Um, I felt like my dad was successful, um, but I never seen him, never went on a family vacation. Um, I would see him after school two or three times a week. We would go there and have uh, dinner, and that's when I would see my dad. Um, so uh, growing up, uh, I, I felt like, gosh, you know, one day, um, you know, I want to be able to be there more for my kids and, uh, and be able to, uh, to share in a lot of the memories and take family vacations. You always want better for your kids than, than what you did. Uh, no complaints. I mean, I felt like I had the best life growing up. I didn't think I was missing anything at the time. Um, 
So, you know, that's where I got the work ethic from. And, and I feel like uh, that has a big part of my success today is, uh, you know, nobody's going to outwork me. So I got into, uh, uh, after college, I went and got a job with uh, some telecommunications company. They paid me 30000 a year. I remember coming home with that offer letter, giving it to my mom, and she started crying. I thought it was tears of joy. She was actually crying because she can't believe that, you know, her son was going to make 30000 a year. Um, you know, I was living at home at the time, and I was driving a Corvette. And for me, I felt like five, 600 bucks a week was good money, but, you know, little did I know. So I did that for two or three years. That company went out of business. I went to their competitors. They went out of business. Um, and then I, I was begging my dad to open up some type of business for me. You know, I didn't know what else to do. But my parents had no money, right? So that was a problem. It's hard to open up a business without any money. Um, so it was a flip of a coin. Uh, the only things that you could get into was real estate mortgages that didn't cost a lot of money. Um, flip of a coin, I got into real estate and uh, joined a company called Coldwell Banker uh, years and years ago, uh, 16 years ago, I've been in 16 years now. Uh, and so that's, uh, that was my path into real estate. Wow. Wow. And so it came down to a flip of a coin. So you could have been a mortgage broker or a real estate broker. Honestly, I could have been either one. And uh, I probably would have killed it as a mortgage broker too. Um, you know, I feel like in today's day and age, if, uh, if, you, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it in, in anything you do. You know? so, but I just had to be in some type of industry where there was no, uh, no cap no sky. I had to create my own destiny. Um, that's what I was used to doing. So I got into Coldwell Banker um, and I started working there. And I was also at the same time when I was doing real estate, I was waiting tables and bartending because I needed a check. Um, so I was doing real estate in the morning and afternoon. And then at night, I would go bartend and wait tables um, for, uh, for money. And so I did this uh, seven days a week. Um, you know, first getting in the business, I was, uh, you know, taking floor time. I was doing four open houses a, a week. Uh, I know it sounds crazy, but I was doing two on Saturday and two on Sunday, um, you know, to pick up buyers. That's what I was taught back then. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. And how that first year go? Did you have a fast start, slow start? What happened that first year? You know, I think I did about, uh, gosh, I want to say about 30 transactions. I know I, I remember making 70 grand my first year. Um, so don't quote me on the, uh, on the counts of transactions, but I know that I made 70 grand my first year. So, um, I felt like, you know, I was killing it. I felt like I was, you know, doing a, uh, shaking and baking, doing a lot of deals. Um, but I was working a lot, you know, I was working, uh, between that and waiting tables. I was probably putting in a good 70, 80 hours a week. So it was a grind. That's for sure. It went, did your mom feel happier about the 70 than the 30? You know what? Uh, they still weren't happy. They were, uh, they were actually really depressed, depressed because keep in mind, so my dad owned this restaurant and next door to the restaurant was a Century 21 office. So those agents used to come to my dad's restaurant and what did they do? They used to cry broke all the time. Uh, they'd borrow money from him until their next commission check. So, so that's all my dad knew. So he, when I came home and told him I was going to be a realtor, you can imagine, you know, him trying to talk me out of it, you know. 
<laughs> you know, if that's not what you want to be, you know, the, the agents, they borrow money from me all the time. It's not a good, good industry. And so he totally tried to talk me out of it. Um, but, you know, I was, uh, I, I had pig-headed discipline and I was moving forward and I was just going to do it. Let's focus on that first year just for a minute. You mentioned you had uh, about 70K in revenue, maybe 30 transactions or so. You were doing uh, four open houses a weekend, and that was bringing in leads. Was there anything else you were doing to get that business started that first year? Um, so it was floor time. It was open houses. Uh, I'm trying to think what else on the buyer side. No, that was about it. Um, you know, I, I couldn't really do anything with my sphere because, you know, early on when you first get in the industry, Nobody really takes you serious. Um, and if you do do a deal for a, a family member or a friend, you're pretty much doing it for free. They feel like they're doing you the favor. Um, so it was floor time back then. We used to have floor time and, uh, and open houses. That's how I was getting all my, uh, my buyer business. That's so all I do. Let's talk about those opens for a minute. You did 200 open houses your first year. That's a lot, a lot of experience. What, uh, what points of success did you pick out of that that you could – uh, relay to someone who's just getting in the business and thinking about doing open houses? How could they get a fast start doing open houses? Yeah, great question. And still to this day, um, we still do open houses on the team. So a lot of people think open houses don't work. Well, guess what? Everything works if you do it right. There's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. I don't care what you're doing, whether you're farming, whether you're doing open houses, whatever you're doing, it all works because somebody's killing it at one of those marketing techniques. Trust me. So open houses, the key to open houses that I found was you had to have a lot of signs. You know, the average person only puts uh, five to 10 signs in the ground. That is a lot for the average agent. Most will put five, you know, in front of the house at a couple of the corners. Then they sit and wait and realize, uh, or they complain why they didn't get any, uh, any, anyone coming through. So my agents are required to put an average of 40 plus signs in the ground. So does that take some preparation? Absolutely. I mean, they're putting signs uh, within a half a mile, um, you know, at, at every entrance, every corner, um, you know, we're marketing it all over social media. But back then, obviously, we didn't have social media and we didn't have um, all of the online marketing techniques that we have today. But it was really the sign game. Right? That's what we did was, uh, you know, the signs. And then back then, we put it in the newspaper. I feel like a dinosaur talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did uh, my first year in the business. Then in my third year in the business with Cobo Banker, um, I had owners uh, by the name of Paul and Kathy Schweitzer, and they owned like 14 offices. They brought uh, a gentleman by the name of Mike Ferry to town. And uh, he, he did one of his uh, presentations. And his, his main point was talking about how to go after listings. I had no idea how to take listings. In fact, I don't think I ever had a listing. If I did, it was from a friend or a family where they just gave it to me and we signed docs. But I was scared. I mean, I would never go into a, a stranger's house and take a listing. I didn't even know what to say to them. And, you know, the listing side of the business is completely different than the buyer side of the business because people are interviewing for the right agent. You have to have the skill set, you know the objection handlers and everything that comes along with that. I had no idea how to do any of that. And nobody ever taught me. You know, I've, I, I, I've realized over the years, over 16 years, it's a very lonely business. Um, hopefully you have a good trainer. Most people don't. Um, most brokerages have people training that have never been on the front lines of the business. And, and that makes it hard. Um, so, you know, getting in, I had no idea what it took in order to last in this business. If, if I didn't learn the listing side of the business, 
I'm 100% convinced I probably would have gotten burnt out um, at the rate I was going and probably would have ended up getting out of the business. But Mike Ferry taught me the, uh, the listing side of the business. Um, I signed up for his coaching program. Um, I really didn't have the money at the time, but he had a money back guarantee. And he said, uh, you know, if you don't make X amount after six months, I'll give you all your money back. So I went home, told my, my wife the deal. At the time, I'd just gotten married. I said, listen, if it doesn't work, he's going to give us our money back. So let me just put on a credit card. I'll front it. And we'll see what happens. So I did that. Um, I started getting on the phones, calling expired listings and for sale by owners. And I would have a weekly call with him uh, every week. In fact, um, my first coach, I still remember, I remember some of this stuff vividly because it changed my life. Uh, my first coach was uh, Kirk Nace was his name. He's, he's actually still in the business. I just uh, talked to him uh, a couple weeks ago. He'd call me every week. He'd hold me accountable to make sure, you know, that I was making X amount of calls. We'd go over the scripts and the dialogues. I remember going home, role-playing with my wife. Um, she's, she's a realtor. She's an unlicensed realtor, I should say, because she knows the scripts and dialogues <laughs> as well as I do. But I would write them out. I would write out the objections. I would study it. Um, we'd go home. I'd role-play with her every day. Um, I treated it like... Uh, I treated it like it, it was my entire life on the line. Um, I studied them. You know, there's only about in this business, there's only like 10 objections. If you learn them and you learn the right answers, because, you know, there's, there's a logical um, objection handler and there's, you know, things that people say that just aren't that good. Um, I learned them. I wrote them down. I mastered them. And I was actually excited when someone would bring up an objection because I had the best answer. And you can see their eyes when you say the right objection. Um, and you, they know that you know that you're a pro. And uh, I got on that rhythm, started calling expired listings and for sale by owners uh, every day in the office. And there was a couple other guys that used to do it too. And then what really took my business to another level was uh, accountability. I put some, some real high accountability measures in my, in my business and made sure that uh, – that I was going to show up and do what I said I was going to do. You know, I'm human, just like everybody else. And you start to get complacent. You know, I was making good money. I was making, uh, you know, my second year, I went from 70000 to 130000 to 200000 250. That's a lot of money, you know, just being uh, pretty new in the business. So it's easy to get complacent. It's easy to sit back and say, hey, I'm doing good. You know, I, I can take the pedal off the metal. What I did was uh, I found a gentleman in the office um, and we made a game out of it. What we did was we each wrote 10 checks to each other for 100 bucks each. And the rule was if you're not in the office by 7 a.m., the other guy got to cash the check. So I wrote 10 checks out to Jim, made out to him for 100 bucks each, and he wrote 10 out to me. And if one wasn't there, the other person got to cash that check. So it was painful. You know, I didn't want to lose 100 bucks. And it didn't matter what happened. It didn't matter if somebody died in the family. It didn't matter if there was a snowstorm. You weren't there by 7 a.m. on that office clock. You lost your money. Long story short, after about six months, Jim lost all his money. Uh, I still had, I think, about four or five checks left. But what it did for me was it got me in this routine. Every day I was in the office by 7 a.m. At 7.30, we would start role-playing back and forth. We'd uh, role-play the common objections. And then at 8 a.m., we were on the phones calling expired. No questions asked at 8 a.m. every single morning. Now, after you do that for a month, two, three months, you start to get on this routine. You start to get on this high. 
you start booking appointments left and right, and you start getting addicted to the success. Jim lost his money, but he made a lot of money during those six months, and he got on a routine too. Uh, you know, they say, I think it takes 21 days to create a habit. Um, I think it takes a little bit longer to really get in the groove of it, um, but that, that basically sent the, set the benchmark for my entire career. I, was, uh, I stayed on that path, I think, for about uh, a good four or five years, and I grew the team from that. I had more appointments than I knew what to do with. Um, I had to hire my first administrative assistant after about three or four months um, because I was on the phone all day long. I eventually quit my, uh, my bartending and, and waiting tables. I had to, I had to stop that. Um, I hired my first administrative assistant um, so she could handle all the paperwork. And I was just on the phone or I was out of an appointment all day long. Now, eventually you start getting all these buyer calls, but I didn't want to go out and deal with buyers. I was addicted to working with sellers. So I hired my first buyer's agent. Her name was Sandy Radin, who's still with me till today. That's a great story. Uh, she's been with me now, gosh, going on 12 or 13 years, however long that was, still with me till today. At the time, there were no teams, right, Mike? So I was going into uncharted territory. I didn't even know what I was doing. I didn't even know that I was forming this team. I just knew that I didn't want to work with buyers anymore. I didn't want to drive around. I didn't want to work, I didn't want to work evenings and weekends. I liked the seller side of the business. You know, you, you set your own schedule. You take the listing, you got all these other agents running around, you know, selling your properties, and you sit back and wait for offers, right? And I was prospecting, I was prospecting, I'd come up with buyers sometimes for my sellers. It was just, I got my life back, I felt like. I was working less, I was making more money. Um, I, I felt like I cracked the code. So, you know, Sandy's, uh, Sandy's on the team at the time, and then, you know, as you keep getting more and more listings, I'm up to 40, 50, 60 listings, we need another buyer's agent. Sandy agreed. So we hired another buyer's agent. And, uh, you know, today the, uh, the team's at, uh, I think we're around 50, 51 agents uh, today. And it just took off from that. That's incredible. That's incredible. I, I want to ask you a couple questions about that, Mark. And thank you for walking us through the timeline. What a, what a great story. Uh, let's go back to when you started to work expired. So it sounded like you were working a lot more expired than for sell by owners. And you, you mastered that. Give us a couple pointers for people working with expired listings. How do you get in with them so you can make an appointment and beat out the other agents? Yeah, great question. So the money is made in the follow-up. Uh, that might sound cliche. You know, you hear that a lot in this business, but sometimes you'll hit, uh, you'll hit bullseye calling, being one of the first that calls them. But the thing about expireds, what I loved about them is they've already made their mind up that they're going to hire a realtor. It's just that the realtor they had failed didn't get the home sold. So you're not trying to convince them to hire a realtor. Most of them are already convinced they need a realtor. It's just a matter of finding the right one. So with expireds, you've got to have your objection handlers down pat. You've got to know that you're not trying to book the listing on the phone. You're just trying to get the appointment. And I think too many agents try to get the entire listing all over the phone and try to handle every objection on the phone. You don't have to do that. You're just trying to get your foot in the door. And I think once you, once you have that paradigm shift that, you know, you're not trying to negotiate your commission, you know, because they'll ask, you know, what's your commission? You're not trying to handle a lot of those objections on the phone. You're trying to brush it off and get your foot in the door. And then when you have this face-to-face -face conversation, it's a lot easier to, to show them the value that you bring and, and take the listing. Let's talk about a couple of those things. So first of all, what is the question that you ask to ask for the appointment? 
give us your your dialogue um you know believe it or not it's so elementary i just go down that mike berry script you know of uh you know how long have you been trying to sell the home and where are you moving to next and if you sold this home where would you go and how soon do you have to be there um they're going to always try to get me off the script but that's why it's called a script because you got to get right back onto the script so you answer you ask the question uh you acknowledge uh what they say um you confirm what they say and then you move on to the next question um, i find that if you can get through all your questions you're more than likely going to get an appointment if you can get through all your questions um, and then if you get the appointment uh, there's always one question that i always say that ties them down later in the appointment and that is if what i say makes sense and you feel comfortable and confident that i can sell your home are you prepared to list your home with me when i come out i always ask them that because you're going to get some some different answers there some will say well it depends on the commission Okay, great. Yeah, no, I can totally appreciate that, Bob. And, you know, commissions are all negotiable in the state of Michigan. And let's assume that we come to an agreement on the commission. Is there anything that's preventing you from listing your home with me on, on Tuesday? Well, you know, I'm going to be uh, interviewing uh, other agents. Okay, Bob, I can appreciate that. And then I get into, well, who else are you interviewing? And um, what time are they, what day and time are they coming? And then I try to get in, you know, it, it depends whether I want to, people always ask, do you want to come in first or do you want to come in last? Well, that depends on who else they're interviewing. If they're interviewing one of my biggest competitors and I know that he's a closer, I want to get in before him. If it's not, you know, uh, one of my biggest competitors, then I don't mind going last. And I'm going to get them to commit not to hire or decide to go with anyone until they meet with me. And more times than not, they're going to do that. They're going to wait to hear me out. Um, so once I can get them to commit that, yeah, there's nothing preventing me from listing with you, then that's a great tie down because if I'm going through the appointment when I'm in person and for some reason they aren't ready, I know that it's something I said or something I did to lose them. Because then I bring back, you know, Bob, you said when I spoke to you that there was nothing preventing you from listing your home. So, you know, I try to isolate the objection. Is it, is it the marketing? Do you feel like, you know, that I'm not going to be able to market your home? Is it the commission? Is it the price? I know it's usually one of those three, right? So I got to isolate the objection. Once I isolate the objection, then you got it. Then you fix that, and then you get the contract signed. <laughs> That's great. Just walking down the process. And you said you're using, uh, you've been using Mike Ferry's scripts and his process. And I believe that Mike offers all those scripts for free now on his site, which shocks the snot out of me still. Uh, yeah. But if you go over to Mike Ferry's site, you can you can download those scripts. Last time I looked, so be sure to check that out. Mark, this has uh, been a lot of fun, and uh, I appreciate you walking me down through your expired process. Now, you also mentioned your team, that you start to build out this team, and it's really grown. It's a huge team at this point, uh, over 50 people. So let's talk about the team uh, for a second and break that down, because I'm sure people are curious what you got going, because that's a rather large one. Uh, could you walk us down kind of a, a big picture chart of what this team looks like, an organizational chart? We're looking for titles, number of people in that position, what they're responsible for. Absolutely. So uh, when I left, uh, about 15 months ago, I left Keller Williams after, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years, give or take. Um, it was a tough decision. Um, my plan was to go out on my own. It has always been the big picture dream. Um, 
you know, if I could draw it out, it was always to eventually do my own brokerage. I was all planned and, and set my way that I wasn't going to pay any other brokerage um, any more fees, and I was going to do my own. You know, I built this brand in the area. I was hell-bent that I was going to do my own thing finally. Uh, and I, I bought a building, and that was the game plan. Then at the time, about a year and a half ago, um, EXP was floating around, and some guys kept uh, telling me that I got to check this out. I got to check out EXP. Um, a buddy of mine, I used to mastermind with guys all over the country. Not used to, I still do. Um, that's where I get a lot of my ideas from. A gentleman by the name of Dan Beer, uh, a guy that I helped uh, when he first got into the business. And it's ironic that, you know, we're still working together and, and strong. But he got me to sit down and, and look at this EXP model. Um, I, I looked at the EXP model and I realized right then and there that this was going to be the next industry disruptor. And I felt like in my heart to heart that I was witnessing the next disruption in this whole brokerage model. Um, I always felt like it was broken. Um, and as the years keep going on, I feel like your traditional brokerages just offer less and less value to agents. Um, and I felt like this whole EXP model was the best of both worlds. So it allowed me to carry on with my brand, which was very important to me. I wasn't going to lose that. But it offered a lot of value to agents that I could pass on to my agent. Um, you know, they, they, they give a free website and they have, uh, they have stock options that are granted to you. And they have revenue share, uh, and they have uh, cloud-based training. Uh, they don't have offices, so I fixed that problem and I opened up my own office. Um, we do all the training here live, you know, in our office. So the things about the model that I didn't like, I fixed, and we do it ourselves. Um, but like you know, the whole revenue share—that was something that um, was something that I could offer to my agents, and I felt like you know, after this many years. I'm not too proud to say that my company is bigger than Mark Z. My company is based on um, the determination and, and what my agents are out there doing. And they're, they're the face of the company at this point. Uh, you know, I don't go out on as many listing appointments as I used to. And so I felt like this is a way that I could give back. And by utilizing all the things that EXP had to offer, it allowed me to grow at, at a pace that I would have never been able to do on my own. So when we sit down with agents, and they're looking at our brokerage model compared to others. You know, we get to offer the stock shares that they get when they sell their first deal. We get to offer the revenue share. We, every agent gets their own website. Those are all things that I now get to use when I'm recruiting and attracting other agents. So we went from, in 15, 16 months, I think maybe I left Keller Williams with about 14 or 15 agents. And like I said, we're up to 52 now. And we're adding uh, at least four or five every month within the next six months, uh, I'm 100% confident we're going to be over 100 agents on the team, which is just, it's going to be one of the largest uh, real estate teams in the world, if we're not already. Um, to answer your question, uh, as far as structure goes, it, it's honestly like a, almost like a Fortune 500 company, the way we have this structured. And like I said, we're in uncharted territory because there's not a lot of teams that are as big as ours. Um, so we have, you know, you're obviously your, uh, your typical receptionist uh, at the front desk. I've got an administrative manager who manages all of my admins, which would be a listing manager, somebody that handles all the listings that come in and orders signs and lockboxes, puts them in the MLS, um, stays in contact with our clients throughout the listing process until they get an offer. I've got a closing coordinator who handles the deals for my agents from the time the offer gets accepted until the closing, coordinating mortgage and title and staying in contact with the, 
with the, with the clients. Um, so we've got the listing manager, closing coordinator, administrative manager, receptionist, answering the phones and doing miscellaneous projects. Then I've got a director of sales whose job is to recruit agents and then train the agent and hold them accountable. So bring the agents in, then train them, get them selling, and hold them accountable. That's his main focus. Then I've got a chief technology officer who handles, you know, in this business, it's, it, it's really changed and it's, it's very technology focused. You know, there's always new websites coming out, new lead generation, and, you know, you've got all these changes in the marketplace with iBuyers and Zillow and Julia and all the, so he's on top of that. Uh, we recently changed over our CRM. Uh, so he's working on making that uh, much more robust than it's ever been putting in workflow automations where, you know, when, uh, when you mark a deal pending, six different things happen. You know, it notifies the title company, it notifies an inspector, you know, putting in all these workflows so our agents can work more efficient and hit the ground running um, rather than working on the administrative, non-income producing activities. So I've got my team set up. So my agents' main focus is going out and hunting for that next deal and leave all the non-income producing activities to me. Let me handle all that stuff. So your only focus is going out and bringing in a fresh deal. And so I've got many agents on the team that'll make uh, well over six digits, some making close to 200,000 a year. Um, I've got an agent on the team that's only been on the team. Uh, this is her first year and she's gonna clear six digits. To me, there's nothing more gratifying. That makes me very, very happy to see that because it shows that our systems, our tools and our techniques work. You know. Uh, if you can't teach and, and mentor someone else to do what you do, then something's broken about what you think works. Um, so that gives me the gratification that, yeah, this works. And now it's just a matter of duplicating that. So between all of that, uh, that's, that's some more of the, uh, the management and administrative side of the business. Then you get into, we've got inside sales agents whose job is to field all of the calls from our marketing. Um, you know, our marketing entails billboards, radio, TV, uh, we have Zillow, uh, you know, a lot of uh, postcards, we do farming. Uh, there's nothing we don't do, but we do it on a mass scale. You know, this is very expensive marketing and advertising, so we've got to hold every lead uh, very accountable. So our inside sales agents take all of the incoming leads, and in between that, they're making outbound calls as well. Um, so that's the inside sales department. Then you've got my listing specialists. Uh, I think we have maybe, uh, I don't know, I think we're around five listing specialists right now, five or six, and all they do is go out and take listings or they're prospecting expired and for sale by owners looking for their own listings. So we got company generated leads that come in and then we've got uh, non-company generated where leads that they focus on and, and grab themselves. There's a little different splits depending on whether we brought it in or whether they brought it in themselves. So we like to give a little incentive there uh, to keep them hungry. And then we've got the buyer specialists. Um, that's the majority of our team is buyer specialists. We've probably got, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, 35, 40 buyer specialists on the team who field all of the different lead sources that we have coming in from the buyer side. You know, sign calls uh, from our, our marketing and advertising and Zillow and, you know, all of those mediums. So all of that together is what makes up uh, this this empire it really is an empire it's it's huge it's fun um, the culture is great 
Um, and that's why it's hard for my competitors to ever compete. It's not about the commission splits. It's not about what they pay. Um, the culture and the community that we've created is what really sets us apart. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R E A L G dot TV. Now, back to the show. Mark, a couple quick questions. First, uh, how many inside sales agents do you have? We've got uh, three right now. About three? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, you mentioned that you've created – well, first of all, what do you do on the team, right? What's your uh, – Yeah, good question. <laughs> what do I do? That's a great question. Um, so my, my day-to-day um, is answering agents' questions. Um, I always want to be there for them. Um, I pop in trainings, you know, every once in a while. Um, I also own about 250, um, 250 uh, between single family doors and apartments and multifamily. Um, I also own a property management company. Um, so, you know, uh, meeting with uh, my property management company, uh, dealing with uh, all of the uh, multifamily units that I have, um, working on the marketing. I come up with uh, all of the, uh, like the radio and the TV, all of that stuff, um, that's kind of my baby. I love the marketing aspect of the business. Um, so I'm the one that's uh, looking at um, all of the different uh, radio ads and where we're running and how the return on investment is, analyzing um, you know our return on investment on everything. When you're spending, I think we spend now uh, a little over $100,000 a month on marketing. When you're spending that kind of money, you really got to keep a close eye on it because you go two, three months and it's not going to be fun, uh, you know, dipping into your savings account uh, for a hundred thousand a month. So you really got to keep an eye on the market and the return on investment on these, uh, on these expensive advertising uh, mediums. No doubt. And I'm sure somebody just heard those numbers and they, their eyes start to pop out. And uh, I think we need to give them a little bit of background uh, to where you are today uh, so that they understand a little a little more perspective. So let's go through a very fast round here, just some quick Q&A. So how long have you been in business? I think you said 16 years? 16 years, yeah. Okay, and how many homes did you sell last year? What was the sales volume? Well, last year, I think we sold just over 500, maybe uh, just over 500, and the sales volume was around 100 million. That's awesome. And do you recall what your GCI was? Uh, it was around 3 million. $3 million. That's wonderful. And do you recall what your, your best year was, what year that was, and what the numbers were as far as units, volume, and GCI? Uh, my best year in the business is definitely going to be this year. We're up about 30 35%. This year has been huge. Uh, my best year was 2017. Every year I've been in the business, it's always trended up anywhere from 10 to 20%. Uh, so 2017 is where I peaked. Last year, 2018, was the first year that I dipped back a little bit. I attribute that to the move uh, from Keller Williams to EXP. I had a couple months. Whenever you make a major move like that and move your entire team, there's always a setback. Um, so for two, three months, uh, you know, getting back on my feet and getting all the new branding and everything out uh, took a little toll on us. So it took us a few months to get back up and running. But then, you know, we got on our feet and everything was rocking and rolling. And so that's why, you know, this year, business and volume, everything's uh, just been up, up big. 
That is great. And uh, over your career, how many homes have you sold? I'm trending a little bit over 5,000 homes right now. And next year, I'll hit the $1 billion in sales mark. That's, <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Uh, let's now go back to one of those numbers that might make more sense to people. You said your marketing budget, you're spending about $100,000 a month, $1.2 a year. Again, it's a huge number. But then off your GCI, it makes a lot more sense. Uh, so you're sitting, uh, what is that, at uh, about 40% on your marketing? Does that sound about right? Uh, this year, our GCI is going to be around $4 million. So okay. we usually, I uh, like to hover. I don't like to cross. In fact, experts say that you shouldn't be spending more than 10%, um, I believe. Um, that's what Millionaire Real Estate Book says. Uh, so we're going to hover around 20 25%, uh, which is a little bit on the high side. However, uh, me just not being in the business, um, you know, out there taking as many listings uh, as I once did, um, it gives me the freedom to – so my profit margins probably aren't where they were two, three years ago when I was spending a lot less, but it's okay. I've got uh, so many different mediums, so many different income buckets that for me it's okay if I don't make as much as long as my agents are prospering and making, um, you know, making a lot more money. For me, that's just more gratifying. Thank God, uh, you know, I was blessed and um, you know I made my money over the years. But um, you know, I've got a lot of different companies now. I've got the, you know the property management company. I've got my multifamily um, income that's coming in. I've got the real estate business. I've got a a construction business uh, that feeds from you know, our, the, the property management side of the business. Um, you know, we're partners in a title company. Um, just so many different mediums, uh, so many different income streams. I'm a big believer of, uh, of passive income. And so that allows me to, you know, spend a little bit more and create, uh, create this brand, this brand that people recognize. And it just makes our, our life a lot easier uh, for our agents to go in and take the business. Yeah, based on what you're saying and where you think your GCI is going to be or this year, looks like that your your marketing spend is now closer to about 30%. You're in high growth mode. So right. you're putting a lot more money in the business to grow it quicker. And that's something people should keep in mind. If you're in growth, you're going to be spending more money on acquisition of leads. So very good. Thank you for sharing that information. Where How big do you want this thing to get, by the way? You mentioned 100 agents. Do you have a a number of agents in mind or a GCI number in mind? What, what's your goal? The short-term goal is by this time next year, I'm going to have 100 agents. Um, ultimately, though, we're going to have 1,000 agents in Mark Z Real Estate Experts, no wow. doubt. Um, we should hit that goal within three years. Um, wow. We, we're noticing that you know, as the snowball builds, it builds faster. So um, that's where we're going. Uh, we can't stop it. Um, you know, our, our social media has been, been great. It's been on fire. Um, we're doing things that nobody, uh, no other brokerage is doing in the area. Um, we're giving back in, in value, you know, no different than what we're doing with our clients. It's going to be hard to catch us. Are you going to get to a thousand agents by staying in your local market? Or are you going to start doing expansion agents and expansion markets? Yeah, we're already expanding. That's, uh, that, that's the beauty of this whole EXP model is you can have agents anywhere in the country because EXP is one brokerage operating out of all 50 states. So it's not franchise-based, it's one brokerage. So we literally have agents in a little over 30 states right now. Um, and, and the expansion is seamless. You don't need to ask permission. Um, you can have agents in any state and build off that. Um, so it's, 
it's a model that I feel like uh, it's going to be hard to duplicate and it'd be hard for me to do on my own. So that old cliche, if you can't beat them, join them. Um, it's worked for us. I'm trying to remember. Do you remember who started EXP? It was a gentleman by the name of Glenn Sanford. Uh, that's great. So you, this sounds like this is really working well for you. This yeah. yeah, it's exploded. It's, uh, it, 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 it's just cutting edge technology. Um, they changed the game with the whole rev share. Um, you know, everything they offer allows me to offer it to my agents. Um, so allows them to set up a retirement plan, rev share. Um, so it just, it, it was a win-win for me. I felt like, uh, this was going to take me to the next level. Uh, I put my money where my mouth was and just jumped in. And uh, proof is in the pudding. It's been great. <laughs> well, that's exciting. But where, what's your GCI going to be if you hit a thousand agents? Uh, gosh, you know what? Uh, I, I'm not even. So at one time, my focus was the money. Uh, to be honest with you, Mike, uh, I'm not even focusing on the money anymore. Now it's just about bringing agents in, changing their life, getting them to sell what I sold, um, showing them the way. It's going to change their life. It's going to change their family's life. It's going to change our clients' life. Um, so if you just if you take your focus, I found business really started exploding when I took the focus off the money and just started focusing on you know the prize at the end of the tunnel, and that's just helping more and more people. Thank you. I I just did some quick math because I'm a numbers guy, and there's some other people like to hear some of these numbers and. If I'm doing this right, you're going to be 20 times bigger than you are now, and 20 times four, you'd be at four million in GCI. Excuse me, I, I said four. You'd be at 80 million in GCI. Wow, wow! It doesn't surprise me. It's a big number. I know it's a big number. <laughs> uh, I can't remember the last time I didn't hit a goal. So I'm that guy that I write down my goals, um, I put it on paper, and then I just start putting the path and the plan in place, and. There hasn't been a time where I haven't done it, so this is going to be uh, no different. We're going to How get exciting. We're going to do it. Um, we're on fire right now. It's just uh, it's going to be hard to stop us. Like I said, uh, nobody's going to be able to outwork us. We're the hardest working group of agents in the industry. We've got a lot of uh, a, a lot of great culture going right now, and uh, I'd like to say I think we figured this game out. You know, you mentioned that a couple times now. You've mentioned uh, culture. You've mentioned hard work. How do you define the culture of the team that you've created, and, and what do you want to see continue? When I think of culture, I think of a, a group of individuals who are working together towards a common goal instead of working against each other. Um, it's all too common that, you know, when you bring a group of individuals together, you know, there's drama on the team. There's, you know, someone who doesn't like someone and wants to start drama and, we don't really have that. I'm not saying that we're perfect. You know, things come up, um, but we squash it real quick. We fix it and we move forward. Um, you know, I, I read uh, a few years ago a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, and it was a game changer. It, you know, opens your eyes as to, hey, this is business and everybody needs to hold each other accountable. And if you don't look at it like that, then you probably don't have a seat on this bus. Uh, and that, that, that changed the culture uh, for a lot of us. Um, and then, you know, every time we bring someone new onto the team, um, they either know that they fit in or they don't. And, um, we don't really have a problem with agent retention. If we do lose an agent, they're usually getting out of the business. They're just realizing maybe the industry or the business just isn't what they thought it was. Um, but we don't really lose agents to our competitors that I don't know if 
that's ever happened in the last 15 months since we've made this move. Um, so that's what I mean by culture. Our, our agent retention has just been, it's been awesome. Um, we work together, we have fun, work hard, play hard. Um, and it just seems to be working. Now, agent, uh, you mentioned early on that one of the things that really got you going was accountability, right? The 10 checks for $100 a piece. Have yeah. you created accountability systems for your agents? And if so, what are they? We have a lot of accountability measures in place. So, you know, the first thing we do when we sit down with an agent is, you know, we make it clear that this isn't about our goal. This is about their goal. This is about what they want to accomplish. And then we're going to help them reach their goal. Uh, I think back in the day, it was more about our goal and this is what we wanted to do. And this is, and everybody's goals are different, right? Some people are good, you know, doing 20, 30 deals a year. And then we have some people who want to do 100 and 150 deals a year. So it, it doesn't matter to us. Our team is big enough that everybody doesn't need to do 100 deals a year. If they only want to do, you know, 30 deals a year, we're going to show them the path to get them to 30 deals a year. Uh, our, most of our agents get here by 7.30 in the morning and they're on the phones by eight o'clock. Uh, and we believe that the morning schedule dictates the entire day. So if you nail that morning schedule, if you're there by 8 a.m. and you make those calls for those two hours, the rest of the day, the rest of the week, the rest of your life is already planned for you. It's all gonna come together. But it's all based on that morning because if that morning doesn't happen, procrastination comes in play, your mind tells you you're too busy, you start checking emails, text messages, and then it all just gets away from you. So we're real, real big on that morning schedule and try to get our agents to come in in the morning, do the business in the morning, and then let that dictate what happens the rest of the day. So you, you, uh, you mentioned you've got all these people around, all these agents. You've got a lot of buyer agents, a lot of listing agents. When people are developing teams, one of the challenges they have is uh, compensation and figuring out how to put that together. They don't want to mess it up when they start off and pay too much or too little. Could you give us an idea of what kind of compensation structure you've created for your agents on the team? Yeah, so, you know, we have it set up where there's an incentive for them to go out and grab their own business that's not dependent on us, and they get a higher split for that than they do if we give them the business. I think overall, you want to try to be at about a 35 to 40% profit margin. Um, so it really depends on how much money you're spending on marketing and the different expenses that you have in the business. But overall, um, when you're doing the math, you've got to come, uh, you've got to stay within a 35 to 40% um, net profit margin. You should also take into account um, a, pay, a pay structure of what it would cost to replace you. So I'm on a salary, I take a paycheck, and then I look at that different than what my business nets. Because if God forbid something were to happen to me, someone would need to step into my role. So that needs to be taken into account. Um, what it's going to cost to replace you and you should take a paycheck um, in order to really see if your business is making money um, or not. So uh, that's important. So what kind of splits are you paying out to your buyer agents? Uh, typically on a buyer's agent deal to 50, 50. And then how is there, what's the, the differential if they bring the lead versus you bring the lead? They get an extra, uh, I believe they get an extra 10% if they bring a lead. Um, versus me, uh, versus the company's marketing efforts on whether they bring a lead. So, um, you know, if they go out and do an open house and they get a lead, that would be that would be their own lead. That wouldn't be a company generated. It's real easy. If the lead didn't come through our phones or our website, um, then that's not considered our lead. 
that's uh, that's something that they brought to the table. Uh, very good. How about the listing specialist? What kind of split are they on? On the listing side, uh, it's typically 70-30. 70% goes to the house, 30% uh, to the listing agents. Uh, you know, on the listing side of the business, it's a lot more expensive. Um, most of our marketing is geared towards bringing in listings. And on the listing side of the business, uh, you can leverage yourself a lot more. So it's not unusual for our listing specialists to carry 20, 30, 40 listings at a time. Or on the buyer side of the business, you're not going to be able to work with 30, 40 buyers at a time. You know, you might be able to handle, you know, five to 10 buyers at a time if you're out active and showing homes. So it's harder to leverage yourself and you're not going to be able to do as many deals. On the listing side, um, we have listing specialists. Our average listing specialist might close, uh, you know, 10, 12, 15 deals, you know, in a month. That's really exciting. <laughs> That's really cool. Now, you, you kind of uh, have alluded to some of this before. You got some big overhead. You got a lot of people running around, a lot of marketing expenses. So people are going to ask, are you profitable? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I'm not doing this for fun. Uh, so, yeah, we're absolutely profitable. We hover around uh, a 20 to 25% uh, uh, net, you know, after, uh, and that doesn't include, obviously, my salary, but the company itself uh, hovers around a 25% net profit margin. Um, and again, that's, uh, that's aside from the salary that I take. So um, it's pretty profitable. It also feeds a lot of other um, parts, of, a lot of other income streams and parts of the business, you know, like the property management side of the business, title side of the business, all the other different income, uh, income streams. So uh, very good. Mark, I'm sorry, Mark, I've got a, a quick question for you. you. You said you like to do marketing and you're pretty good at it. You also mentioned one of your strong sources for marketing is uh, radio, television, billboards. Question is, what kind of message are you sending out through those mediums that's bringing leads in? Are you going after buyers and seller, buyers or sellers, and what kind of message? We primarily target sellers um, because there's an old uh, old saying in real estate that sellers have babies. Um, <laughs> so we, we target the seller side of the business, and then usually if someone's selling their home, they also have to buy. Um, so most of our marketing is geared towards uh, the listing side of the business. Um, and as far as our message, you know, we're always getting creative. We're changing the message all the time. Um, and, and I don't know. I mean, we've had some strong call to actions over the years. Um, we've had, you know, the guaranteed sale or I'll buy it. Um, guaranteed, uh, guaranteed the sale or we'll sell it for free. Um, we've had some real strong call to actions. But overall, I think it's just repetition. You've got to be in people's face. Um, so, you know, the world's changing and it's changing fast. Um, a lot of people aren't listening to radio. So maybe you're not going to capture everybody from radio. Um, but then, you know, so you hit them on TV. But a lot of people um, aren't watching TV or they're watching, um, you know, the Internet TV, you know, the Hulus and the Roku's of the world. So you might not capture them from TV. So then we do the billboards. You know, they're on the road. We're going to catch them on the road. So uh, if they're not on the road, then social media, they're on the internet. We're going to catch them on Facebook, on Instagram, on one of those. So we like to think of it just like the armed services. We're going to hit them from air, land, and sea. One way or another, you're going to see our brand. If you're thinking about real estate, our name is going to be top of mind. We're going to be one of the top one or two brands that you're going to think of in the area. So, um, you know, you just have to be on top of it and know that, um, with the world changing and technology changing as fast as it is, um, you've always got to be looking at the return on investment 
and seeing where those eyeballs are, are going to be every day. Currently, right now, what is your most successful ad call to action message that's generating the most seller leads? Uh, it's definitely guaranteed sold or I'll buy it. We guarantee to sell their home or we step up and buy it. Um, that's number one, no doubt about it. That's interesting to me. Your, your market is, uh, is strong, and yet the guaranteed sell is still working really well. Yeah, it's, it's always our bread and butter. Um, but you've got to do what you say. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to be able to produce. And um, other agents in the market have tried it. Uh, and if you don't have the ability to step up and do it, uh, you're going to have a tough time. But, you know, I've also got a division where we fix and flip homes. I've also got the property management division. So for us to buy a home, it's no big deal. We're going to buy it, fix it up, and rent it out, or we're going to buy it, fix it up, and then put it back on the market. Um, so the, we have no problem stepping up with that program. Uh, most people can't perform in that circumstance. So um, you know, I think for some people, um, it could be a bait and switch. For us, it's the real deal. We have no problem. And we actually get excited if someone wants, us to, wants to take us up on our offer. That's very nice. Well, Mark, what drives you? That's a great question. Um, you know, my why, my big why, um, you know, I always tell my agents, you got to have a why, you got to be motivated, uh, you got to have a reason um, why you're doing what you're doing or else you're going to be complacent. Um, you know, I, uh, I think it's been about four years now. Um, I had a, a heart, uh, um, it wasn't, uh, it was an irregular heartbeat and I almost died, believe it or not. Um, I was with some buddies and uh, we were out having a drink one night and uh, I had a, my heart started uh, uh, beating real quick and uh, I actually passed out. They woke me up, took me to the emergency room, um, and I almost died. Uh, come to find out, I had something called Brugada. Uh, and coincident or not, uh, four or five years before that, my brother died at uh, 24 years old. He was in dental school. He was completely healthy, no drugs, died in his sleep. Uh, till this day, the, uh, the autopsy came back as unknown. After what happened to me, they immediately put a defibrillator um, in my heart. I never left that day. Um, and they realized that that's, that's how my brother probably died. Uh, he never got a second chance. He just died in his sleep because of the same thing. So uh, when you face death like that, I think it, it's an eye-opener and it changes things. So I always feel like I'm racing the clock, trying to set my family up and try to set my wife and kids up for um, – or if, if, God forbid, if that day ever came, you know, I'm a realist. And so um, I feel like I'm racing the clock every day, uh, trying to set up uh, a legacy that can be left behind for not only my family, but, you know, now I've got, you know, 50 realtors. That's 50 families that are behind me. And so I want to leave something behind that is bigger than Mark Z, which it is now, something that people are going to be able to carry this legacy on forever. And if God forbid something were to happen to me, they can still carry on with this brand because it's big enough that they can continue doing what they're doing. So my big why is just to keep helping other people uh, build uh, generational wealth that can continue and uh, work for them and their families. Uh, you know, there's, there's not a lot of things that I'm great at in this world, but I know how to make money. And so, uh, you know, and I love showing people and seeing the success and, and passing it on. And, um, it's been going uh, for a few years now, and we're going to continue this, uh, you know, year after year. That's, that's my big why. Very nice. 
Uh, Mark, you don't have to answer this question, but I, I'm curious, how old are you? I'm 44. 44 years old. I, I'm glad you discovered that, that issue, and it sounds like you have it under control. Um, so thank you for sharing that. That, that certainly would drive anybody uh, uh, to want to set up your family. Uh, now, you'd only known about that for the last couple of years. What do you think the drive was in those early years? Uh, I just had this deep, in my early years, honestly, I was, uh, I was chasing money. Like I said, ever since I was younger, um, you know, I was that kid that told my mom I was going to have a Lamborghini one day, and they all said, oh, you're crazy, you're silly, you know, um, you're never going to have that. You know, my whole life, everybody's told me that, you know, my dreams and goals were all just way too big and way too crazy, and you're not going to be able to do that. And, you know, so um, I've just had this deep passion uh, to be successful. And in my eyes, uh, I know people say money isn't everything, and I agree it's definitely not everything. But, you know, in this circle of life, you know, there's, there's a bunch of different pieces, right, that make up happiness. One piece of the pie has to do with money. So that's just one thing that I never wanted my family to ever have to worry about. Um, so if I could solve that problem, um, I felt like, you know, I, I definitely did my part. Um, you know, I, when I go to bed at night, I feel like I'm the best father, I'm the best husband. Um, and if I solve that money issue, um, for me, that, that was success in my eyes. So for a lot of years, uh, you know, you get what you, you go after and that's just what I was chasing. Uh, to me, that was success. Uh, and then once you get the money, then you realize that there's, there's much bigger things and you try to um, mentor other people and um, try to show other people to follow in those same footsteps because let's face it, uh, money causes stress for a lot of people when you don't have it. So it may not be everything, but if you can fix some of the things and create the freedom that it does bring, I think it's a beautiful thing. And, uh, and I definitely have a lot more freedom in my life than I've ever had before. Mark, have you been able to set up your business and businesses in a way that they operate without your direct involvement all the time so that you are freed up now to spend the time with your kids? Absolutely. Um, that's, that's why I did what I did. Um, I never wanted to be in that rat race um, that my dad was in. Um, so I, I highly leveraged myself. Um, over the years, it was constantly looking at what am I doing in this business that's preventing me from just doing income producing activities? And can I pay somebody else to do that for less than what I make an hour? You know, so if I make 500 bucks an hour, there's really nothing that I can't pay someone else to do where it wouldn't make sense for me to do it, right? Um, from picking up my, uh, my laundry to, um, you know, to the simple things of writing purchase agreements and writing offers, uh, you name it. So over the years, I've just highly, highly leveraged myself. Um, so all I was doing is working on the business rather than in the business. And that's where I'm at now. Um, most of my days are spent working on the business, not in the business anymore. Very nice. Mark, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? Call me. That, that's number one. Call me so I can tell you the, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, because this business, it could be great and it could be really bad. Nothing bothers me more than when I see agents get in this business and they just barely make it, right? It's, it's very stressful on the family waiting for the next commission check. And I think 
you know, either you're going to go all in or you're not. And it's not fair to you. It's not fair to your family to have that level of stress in a commission only structure because real estate is commission only, right? If you don't sell any homes, you don't get a paycheck. And so you either got to be all in or all out. I don't feel like there's this, this happy medium if your if your family's depending on it to do a part time. Um, while you know some agents do do a part time, uh, at least they have another check going and they have something else um, that's paying the bills. But if you're going to get in, you've got to have a good mentor. You got to have somebody holding you accountable because there's a lot of uh, a lot of flexibility to just you know uh, be complacent in this business. So if you're going to get in. You've got to have a mentor, somebody who's going to show you the path and hold you accountable um, and show you the way. Um, and I think a lot of times people get in this business for all the wrong reasons. They think that there's a lot of flexibility. They think that there's a lot of freedom. And when you're building this business, it's just the opposite. There's no flexibility. There's really no freedom. You're working 24-7. You know, you're glued to your phone, your emails. And, um, you know, there's a right way to jump in this business and a wrong way. So... Hopefully they have a good mentor and somebody that can, that can show them the way. Uh, very good. Well, Mark, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Um, you know, all I can tell you is uh, the industry has been great to me over the years. It's been great to my family. Uh, I think the industry is changing and it's changing quickly. Um, you know, with all the, the new technology that's come in place, I think people worry, keep worrying about whether we're going to be around I, I 100% believe that realtors are going to continue to be around and there's value, but you've got to offer more and more value as time goes on. Uh, if you're not offering value at a high level, um, you're going to get replaced by agents like myself who are. Um, we don't say no to anybody. Um, we don't say no to our clients. My agents know that. Um, it's a Disney experience. You say yes to everything and you try your hardest to make sure um, that you accomplish everything that that client needs you to do in order to take them to the next chapter in their life. Um, so I just, if you're going to get in this industry, um, like I said, I hope you have a good mentor. I hope you have a path that's um, a mentor that can show you the path and show you exactly what to do. Uh, don't just get in blind. It, it, it's a hard business. And like I said, it's changing fast. So you've got to be able to get in and, and offer value to people, just like any industry. Um, you know, there's an old saying that, you know, the amount of money you have uh, is a direct reflection of how much value you brought to the world. So you've got to just keep bringing value to people, and I think they're going to be great. Uh, that's wonderful. Well, well, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to share your success story and your journey with us here on Success Calls. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me, Mike. I hope that helps. And uh, if any agents have any questions, uh, my email is markz at soldbymarkz.com. Feel free to reach out. Uh, thank you, Mark. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV 
R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.